If you have your Bibles, grab hold of it. We're going to go to the book of Daniel chapter 6. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James. I'm testing them boys back there today. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Amen. I won't be long. Amen. Or at least I try not to be. But in the book of Daniel chapter 6, verse number 1. This is what it says. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. That's just simply a governor. Amen. To be throughout the whole kingdom. And I'll explain what's happening there. And over them, three high officials of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account. So that the king might suffer no loss. Then this, then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Come on, somebody. Because an excellent spirit was in him. Because an excellent spirit was in him. Ask your neighbor, what kind of spirit is in you? <laughs> Some people took a little too much pleasure in asking their neighbor that. What kind of spirit you got? He became distinguished because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and satraps sought to find ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. And these men said, we should not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. There's no fault in him. The only fault that he's got is that he's got a relationship with God. So let's now create laws that outlaw his God. And these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Be careful how people compliment you and love on you and try to sweet you up because they might not really be sweeting you up and loving on you because they love you. Come on, somebody. They might need you to do something. And they were saying all this, hey, king, nobody should worship anybody else except you. Why don't you make a whole law to do that? Establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed, right? Uh, uh, 
according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the injunction. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So the law changed, but God didn't change. And the law didn't determine his relationship. Then these... Uh, 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 then these came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king Daniel, who is the one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said, King, Know, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and Persians, and that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. This is the people who are not the people of God telling the man of God simply the same thing that God has been trying to tell his church may the God that you serve fight for you y'all see it again and then the king went to the palace and spent the night fasting no diversions were brought to him and slept and he slept uh, slept sleep fled from him and at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And as he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God. There was something in Daniel that made even this king recognize there's a God that's alive and well. Hallelujah. He said, servant of the living God has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions and I could imagine that quiet pause for a second and then Daniel said to the king O king live forever my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Today what I want to talk to you about is simply having the heart to excel. Having a heart to excel. 
Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. And in these next few moments, I just ask that you would speak to every heart in this room. Cause them to be transformed and brought closer to you. Father, I ask that you would speak a clear word in this house. And that your spirit would move divinely among us. Transforming us forever in Jesus' name. Amen. I think this word is fitting today because on the day where we celebrate my wife, I know she has a heart to excel. I know that anybody who spends time with her will say that there is an excellent spirit in her. At times, I even admire the fact how unexcellent I am. And because I'm connected to her, she makes me better. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, man. Come on, man. Trying to help y'all, trying to help your marriage. Amen. Every week I come up here and I try to help y'all. Y'all just don't get it. Y'all just don't get it. That's a smart man. That's a man who's going to have a good week. Hallelujah. Seriously, though, my wife is a person of excellence. When I do things, I, I, I uh, kind of, I'm one of the persons that do everything in my head. It, I see the vision. It all occurs in my head, but it don't come out the way I saw it in my head. And she has a way of stopping me and saying, that's not going to work. This is going to, you got to do this right. Sometimes I make many mistakes. Sometimes I run ahead of myself and she brings things in order that helps me. And uh, having an excellent spirit is something you cannot trade. Excellence, the word suggests that something is done with the highest of efforts. Amen. It is done with the highest of quality that you possibly can do it. Or someone's character or qualities are distinguished among their peers because of how they do what they do. They don't just do things out of requirement. They do it to the best of their ability. They don't just do things out of requirement. They do it to the best. They don't do it out of requirement. They do it to their best. Amen, somebody. Excellence is the character difference between mediocrity and brilliance. Here's my first point. It's not what you do. It's how you do what you do. It's the difference between Chick-fil-A and McDonald's. People are so nice, they convince you the chicken is good before you taste it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about? It's the difference between a Ritz-Carlton and... And, and Sutfin in. There's <laughs> going to be one coming up soon. There's a difference in how you do what you do. And the world understands that people respond to excellence. Sometimes you walk around a mall and people... Have you ever been approached by somebody who wants you to buy something from them, but they're not appealing on the excellence of their brand? They, 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 they might appeal to you on sometimes your skin color. They might come to you and say, hey, come check out my stuff. And then when you be like, yo, I'm busy, bro. They'll say, but it's where you from? And then when you from, they say, it's owned by. 
And so they're appealing just because we share the same nationality or skin color, I should buy from you. But oftentimes that is not good enough. People buy stuff that's quality. And y'all ain't saying nothing to me. People just ain't going to buy from you or support you and stuff. It's like Christians. We do that all the time. Especially in the Christian music world. A cat get up and do some music and he's horrible. And he's like, but I'm a Christian. It doesn't mean that we should like it if it's not excellent. Hey, support me. You know, we run around, Christians get big mad because we find, even in our community, we get mad when we don't get support. Oftentimes, we don't get support because the quality is not there. If we up the quality, the support will follow. If the stuff is good, ain't nobody can, there's nobody can say something about something that is good. They either going to hate. Or they're going to congratulate. Either way, they're going to walk away saying that's good. Even at times, at times when I saw stuff I had to hate, I was hating on, I knew I was hating on because it was good. <laughs> Can anybody confess you saw something for the first time that was so good and you like, <laughs> it's so good, I don't know what to say, but I, I can't congratulate it because it's in my field and it's challenging me. It's making me feel a little mediocre here. And so when you don't got, you, you start saying, and everybody know you walk away and you like, you a hater. He killed that. That don't happen to me often because usually I am the guy. Right, Vince? You a hater. No, when people, when, when something is done in excellence, support will follow. Think about you. you. You like to go where it is excellence. Come on. Don't we just love going to DMV? I'm not going to stop. <laughs> don't you just love to cut? It's gotten better, y'all. Come on. Customer service has gotten better. DM, if you work at the... I'm so sorry. I get myself into so much... You ever been to an environment? You, you ever been to a restaurant? You order food and they feel like, like they doing you a favor? You ever went to like a store and you looking for something you like, you, you went to somebody who worked and be like, excuse me, you work here? Yes. What is it? Sir, can you, can you, I'm looking for this material. I'm trying to, I think it's aisle 14 or 22 or something. You don't, you don't want to go there no more. There's a big difference in excellence. Sometimes somebody will get you to buy something that you don't even want just because they did it excellent. You ever walked home and be like, yo, he was so nice. And you got to be like, but what am I going to do with this? I don't even want this. It's not just what you do. It's how you do what you do that will make the difference. Laziness is never going to get you anywhere in life. Tell your neighbor, don't be lazy. You got to work hard. There is no way around hard work. You're not, nobody accidentally walks across a stage and collect a degree. It took hard work. 
It's not that the person who didn't go to college is not smart. But they're going to give the, the job most of the time to the degree holder because what the degree said is that the person stuck with something for at least four years. They committed. They woke up early. That a professor made sure they came on time for several classes. There's a lot that is happening there when a degree is attained. And there is no substitute for hard work. You ever had a lazy person do something for you? Are you the lazy person that do something? You ever had a lazy person do something for you? I, when lazy people do stuff for you, it almost makes you feel like I'd rather do it for myself than have a lazy person in the position. Some of you looking like straight to the wall. I'm here, guys. Like y'all are like looking away from me today. Hey, laziness? Listen, Christians love to call out the big sins. Slothfulness in this Bible? The Bible says that attitude brings you into poverty, into nothingness. You want to guarantee a life that is, that is never going to take you anywhere? Become a person who don't ever want to give your all. Here's my second point. An excellent person will do a task well because it represents them. See, when you work for a company, this is what you say. This day company, I don't care. No, no, whatever you do in the company represents you. Even if you are not somebody who, this is not your final destination in life. Even if it's not your final destination, do the job well. The way you are a father represents you. The way you are a husband represents you. But let's take it a step further. That's just for any regular person. But when you are a believer, there's a, 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 a step up. The believer will do a task well, not only because it represents him, but it represents the God that he talks about. Half of the time when you talk God, people will not believe if they don't see God having an effect on the way you actually live. This is a quiet church today. I guess it's because tomorrow's Monday. God is good. He's a faithful God. God will bring you late every day. But I'm a, and then you get Christian, but you know, I might be late, but God is always on time. That don't work. You'll be on time. You, you give, give your best because what you do, the way you work, God is able to take the very way you work and save a soul just because they watched and said there's something excellent about them. You don't believe me? Daniel had the king of the world at that point. The America of the world at that point. Darius saying that there's something different about you and it's the God that is in you. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that there was these, the, the, we know them as the three Hebrew boys and, and Daniel. They were good friends. They were brought from captivity. 
And you got to understand that they, they served in the early days under King Nebuchadnezzar. And from day one, they understood many things. We, we call it the Daniel fast now. We, you know, but what was the Daniel fast was just them boys having wisdom to know you just don't eat anything. So when they, when they got there, they were given all these different foods to eat. And they said, no, nah, chill, we just want vegetables and water. The man said, if you eat vegetables and water and y'all don't look as good as these other people we've captured, the king going to get my head for it. They said, just give us, at first they said 10 days. Later on is another part where we get the 21 from. They said, just give us the 10 days and see how we look. When they came back and they looked at them, the Bible says they looked better. Their they skin looked better. Their countenance was better. They had more energy. They looked better. That the man changed the whole meal plan. Said, Everybody eat fruit and vegetables. Daniel fast all the time now. <laughs> Daniel fast wasn't meant just for the beginning of January. It was meant for a lifestyle. Modern day Christianity, Daniel fast is how long I could do it before I eat chicken again. Because we know chicken is the bird that died that I might live. She looked like that's in the Bible for real. <laughs> no, but, but if you, if you, and so, so, so here's these young men being brought in exile, being brought in servitude as slaves to work in a foreign place. How do slaves become the rulers of the society? They had an excellent spirit that they saw from the beginning. And watch this. They outlived, Daniel outlived Nebuchadnezzar. Y'all remember Nebuchadnezzar? Who threw them in the fiery furnace? They outlived him. And then Bel, uh, uh, Belshazzar, his son, took over the next king. And he forgot about his father Nebuchadnezzar, how God humbled him. And because God did a real work in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He, he started out bad and then went downhill and then went really downhill to the point where he was eating grass. God is able to take any king that wants to establish himself above him and humble them. That's why I don't get into all these fights because I know God is still alive. Come on, somebody. There's no government that is above God that when he wants to move his hands, he can't bring it down low. And so Nebuchadnezzar became humble and Nebuchadnezzar turned to God and God restored. But then he passed on. His son came and his son was just wiling out. One day he wanted to throw a party and in the party he gets this idea that I want to have a party with the Lord's vessels. Bring the, 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 the cups of gold from, from what was kept in Jerusalem's temple and bring out the things that were sacred that were, were for See, God got some things that are just for him that we should never ever take and give to the world. Come on, somebody. The things of the temple, he decided that he was going to bring to the party. And so he decided to have a party, big DJ up there, DJ on the ones and twos, and he was cutting the latest, and they were drinking and getting down, and he was pouring the drink and all of that in the Lord's things. 
And he's partying and making a mockery because he's a king. I want you to know those were temple vessels. God don't dwell in temples like that no more. Your body is the temple. So when you think you have the right to take this temple and put on a big truck. <laughs> or why Christians got to be so strict and all of that. Know that your body is the temple of the living God. And wherever you take your temple, if the Holy Spirit is in there, he's coming with you. And you don't say, God, you stay home tonight. Me and my friends, we're going to go. No, no, no. He's coming with you. And this man began to party, and all of a sudden, a hand wrote on the wall. And he, 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 he said, it must be the drink. <laughs> hey, man, you, you see that on the wall, too? Word, I thought it was me alone. And everybody's seen this, and he said, what does it mean? And the only man, see, when you live in a spirit of excellence as unto God, generations will pass, but God is still keeping you and your ministry. Here comes Daniel, who served Nebuchadnezzar. Now come to this man. Said, he said, listen, I'm going to hook you up. Tell me what it means. I'm going to pay you. I'm gonna give you. Daniel said, keep everything you offer in me. I'm going to still tell you what it means. It mean this, that the kingdom is going to be ripped from you tonight, that this is it. And before that night was over, he was dead and Darius came on the scene. And the only people that Darius kept after he took over, Daniel. Three kingdoms, three secular kingdoms, and he's still rising to the top. More somebody, an excellent spirit, and everything he did, he did because it represented God. So anything we do, it should represent God. Here's the thing I want to. Uh, here's a point I want to make to you. These men, in order, in every time from Nebuchadnezzar's time to now Daniel's time, in order to get them to change. They were so focused on, on pleasing God and all that they do that in order to get them to change, they had to change culture to make the righteous living wrong. I want you to think about that in context of America today. We live in a time where things that are dead wrong are now right in the sight of culture. So that if you say the word of God, you can get arrested. You can lose all you've worked for. If, if you be un unapologetically a Christian in America today, every place you go, at some point, somebody's going to say you're a bigot. Or you don't know what you're talking about. 
And this is, this is that's why when the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, there's nothing new. And so when you can't get God's people because they're walking with their God, then what you got to do is change society to be totally against God's people. And they did that with the three Hebrew boys. And the Hebrew boys looked at the fire and said, our God is able. But even if he don't deliver us, we still will not bow to culture. Here's this point, y'all. They were not changed by the culture. They were the change in the culture. Oh, I wish somebody got that today. They weren't changed by the culture as the culture changed. They were the constant change that the culture needed to see. In other words, as culture changed, they were constant. They didn't change as the world changed. They stayed the same. Amen. And that's what begun to happen. And throughout the changing of the culture and the trends, Daniel remained faithful. And Daniel was envied because he was excellent. And there, whenever you do right, people are going to be mad at you. Sometimes your fight is not because you're doing wrong. Sometimes it's the total opposite. It's because you're trying so hard to do what's right. That all storms break out against you. And the only crime Daniel was convicted for, listen to this, his crime was praying. If you ever going to be guilty of something, let it be guilty. Let the guilt be that I served God. Yeah. Now I want to say this because a lot of people take this and... What happens to us as believers, man, I don't, know, I don't know why it always happens. People who started out loving Jesus, bold with the Lord, speaking the truths of his word. And when I say that, I don't mean you got to run around and tell everybody, repent or you're going to go to hell. That's not what we're called to do, right? We're called, we, we, I mean, when necessary. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, just being unapologetically, this is, I, I am the way I am. Like, like Daniel is opening the window to show the world the secret of his excellence. I am praying three times a day. And people in modern day Christianity start out in the church. I mean, they come up here. We love you, Sister Sherry. God is good. And they sing in gold. Tell it on the mountain. We see them. And they grow. And then they go to youth group. And they love in God. But then something happens as they begin to engage in culture where it's more of, you know, that's for church. But when you out here, we don't really talk about God. You know what? As a matter of fact, we just, we just do work in excellence and they might see it in the way we behave. But never do we pray or never do we ever return the credit or the glory back to God. We just, we, we've become what they used to say, DTs back in the day. Undercover detectives for Christianity where we are in the world and we love Jesus, but they will never know because we will never tell them. And so we see that happen. We see great actors and directors and people in the faith start out. And it was the church who supported them. And we ran and bought the tickets and we said, whoa, we finally got people on the front line. And then when they got into that world, they used the language of the world. And you were watching and wondering, what, did, what, did, did, I, did I miss the chicken? What, did, what? Was there breakfast? That was a, oh, that's a joke in my head from another. Anyway, uh, uh, did I did I did I miss something that happened here? Like what? 
What transpired that made them no longer reflect God? And that, that spirit is so prevalent in the church now that we got this idea that when we work out there, we shut God off from our lives. And that is the biggest lie the enemy is telling the church today. I've spoken to so many people say, you got to understand, when you're navigating out here, and I'm saying all that to say, I said, where, where in the Bible do you get that when you navigate out there, at no point can you say, I'm a Christian? Where do you get that from? They say, well, look at Joseph. Joseph was in Egypt, and he was working in a secular field, and God brought him to the secular field, and, and they always use Daniel. But Daniel doesn't show you how to navigate through a secular world. Listen to this. Daniel doesn't show you how to navigate in a secular culture, but rather the importance of staying faithful to God in a secular society. He's not teaching you how to navigate through it and be part of it and be a Christian and be quiet. He's showing you how to be faithful when all around you is evil. Because this man is praying in front of them. To the point where his crime is that he loves God. Oh, if the church of Jesus Christ would be unapologetically Christian wherever they go. I'm not telling you run up in a school and disrespect the rules. That's not what Daniel did. He didn't do that. But he did not compromise his walk with the Lord. He didn't start rearranging scriptures. He stayed faithful. And listen to this, y'all. As a result, adversity came. If you are in this room, listen to me. Adversity will come to every believer. When we get saved, one of the things we do at altar calls is come to the Lord Jesus. The best thing you will ever do, and it is. Your life is about to be transformed. And we tell people things like, if you're hurting, no more hurts. And once you come to Jesus, he'll take all the pain away. The truth of the matter is when we give altar calls, we should be saying, come to Jesus, best decision you make. But all hell will break loose from the minute you leave the altar. A real altar call should probably go more like this. Come to Jesus. He'll, he'll come into your life and he'll fight your battles. But they are going to increase. There's going to be more fights now than ever before. But you got somebody who will help you. But it's not that you're going to be without problems. As a matter of fact, you, 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 when you come to the altar and ask Christ into your life, there is a target on your back. Ain't nobody going to say nothing to me. All of a sudden, stuff, all sorts of problems start to arise in your life. And all you did was love Jesus. People who, when you were messed up, didn't have a problem with you when you were messed up, have a problem with you when you're good. When you were drunk all the time, they never beefed with you. But now you're sober. They got issues. 
when you lived anyhow, when you lived promiscuous, when you did whatever, nobody has a problem. But the minute you change, it seems like all the world has changed against you. But the thing about it is, is that if you're a person who loves God and you're trying to live right, you will have adversity happen in your life. But listen to this, y'all. Adversity is a bridge to a deeper relationship with God. Don't be scared when you go through trials, but allow those trials to draw you to God. Oftentimes for the believer, there's that moment that comes when you say, God, are you really there? And you begin to question him. And I can imagine when we read these stories, it sounds great. But can you imagine a man telling you we're going to throw you to lions? You think Daniel was on some, okay, let's make it happen. Where you at? Where you at, Simba? (laughs) He was going to lose his life. And the truth is for believers, sometimes God will shut the lion's mouth. But sometimes we don't know if he will. Because the same God that delivered Peter out of the jail cell when they were praying is the same God that allowed James to die. The same God that saved Paul and turned his life around was the same God that allowed Paul to stand and watch Stephen stone. So faith is not just automatic rescue from the situation. You might go through it. But it does not mean God is not with you. And Daniel was so faithful, he doesn't know if God is going to shut the lion's mouth. That's God's decision. But he trusts him to the point that I'm not going to stop praying and I'm going to hold on to God in the midst of this. And that's what you got to do in adversity. Don't ask God just to remove the thing. It's good to do that. Now pray that with you every time and believe for for it for breakthrough to come. But you also got to pray. But God, if it doesn't go the way that I'm hoping and it goes another way, give me strength to endure. And he went through it. And let me tell you something. Your next move is always a defining move. Write that down if you didn't write anything else down. Your next move. And when I say that, you think, oh, my next big move. No, I'm talking about even the smallest of decisions you're going to make when you leave here is always a defining move. Life is made up of constant decision making and those collective of decisions is what your life is. You are not what you say you are, you are your decisions. You ever meet somebody? Oh, especially when you talk to young people, they crack me up. I'm almost done, y'all, I promise you, I'm done. You talk to them and this is what they say. They say, oh, I'm the type of person, you know, like when I sing, I, I do this and, and they, you know, they feel, or, or, you know, my studies, I, I feel like I'm going to be this. And, you know, I, they, 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 and you said, like, bro, you don't even go to class on time. <laughs> you talk to young, I talk to young people all the time. You know, my, 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 my shy is, shy says, I want to play in the World Cup. I looked at him and during the World Cup, I, I did the math in my head because I'm wise, I'm older. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to as a father. I did the math. I said, you want to be in the next World Cup? I said, okay, so in 20, the next four years, you're going to be 14 years old, which means you had qualifying age by then. And the next one, you're going to be 18. And I started doing the math and said, all these guys that are playing on the American team are your age at 18 and 19 and 20. I said, oh, so shy. You got to be nice now. 
You want to play Roblox. Roblox is what you're going to end up doing and becoming. But if you want to be in the World Cup, you got to make a decision now to put the iPad down. You better be in the back there on some kicking that ball everywhere you go in the house. You, you know, like when you were young, you play back, you start spinning on people in the crib. I said, you better be doing that everywhere you go now because your life is your decisions. Oh my gosh, your life is your decisions. Your life is your decisions. And a lot of us come to God for, for rescuing, not because of any other reason other than the collective of decisions we poorly made. That's why you should always think this way. My next move is a defining move. Where you decide to drive is a defining move. Where you decide to go is that everything you do has the power to define your entire life. And these men, the only way they were secured was by having an excellent spirit that says everything we do will be according to the will of God. And that is the only way you can secure a life that transcends culture and generations and bring you to the forefront. This man became the leader. Imagine you coming out of the lion's den and becoming the ruler over the people who just set you up. I know what my first order of business would be. And I want to close by telling you what Darius told Daniel. I don't know what's going on in your life. But if you continue, listen, having the next, listen, when I read Daniel, I'm nowhere near this man. If you did a, 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 a thorough check on me, I'm sure you're going to find things that you're going to be like. You know, you're like, well, pastor, what's going on in you? I'm sure if I looked at you. <laughs> so let me throw it right back at you. Okay, okay, yeah, you know that thing that you, you don't, we don't talk about? You know, we all got a Bruno, we don't talk about. Like when I read this, I'm so amazed that I say, God, give me a heart for excellence. That when it comes to my fatherhood, Help me to be blameless in that area. When it comes to being a good husband, help me to be blameless. When it comes to being a pastor, help me to be blameless. Help me to be blameless because what keeps you is a heart for always. See, a heart for excellence is not what the world tells you. It's a heart that is out to do it God's way every time. It's not just trying to get business done it's it's a heart that wants to please god every time may that be the desire of every person in this room and whenever adversity comes i want to tell you like darius told daniel that the god you serve is able to deliver you you got a god that will fight for you Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, I thank you for your word today.